You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. We are finishing our Colossians series off today, and um, if you've if you've not followed along much of our series, you'll find that it's on um, on the website. You can go and catch up with any of the things that have this logo on the website. You'll see we've got stuff about Paul's letter to the Colossians, and you can find out kind of what the other sermons have been. But we are currently um, going to be finishing it off, so we're going to be in chapter four looking at verses 7 to 18. So if you've got a Bible with you, that's awesome. If not, check on your phone, or there's a few at the back there. I think Jen's got one or two. Um, So if you need one, grab one off Jen. Um, So let's have a read through. Colossians 4, verses 7 to 18. Titus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who's called Justus, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who's one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So, in Colossians, we were talking about Paul sharing this idea that Christ is supreme, and Christ is kind of overall and you may have all these other things that you're trying to add in and 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 kind of as the Colossians were doing they were trying to say there's there's other things that are important as well and you know it's not all about Jesus or you know they were trying to kind of diminish the the role of Jesus in the church and Paul was saying no no Christ is supreme and um and he talks kind of throughout the letter as we go through about this idea of living with an eternal perspective um, talking about the future and, and everything that, that kind of goes along with that. So this morning, my message is called Tell, Send, Do, um, which hopefully makes no sense at the moment, but we will see. I always find these sections of like greetings at the end of passages. It's like, well, what? how are we going to preach on this? How is this going to make any sense? Because it's just a list of names and people who I've no idea who they are. 
I've never met Archippus. Never met anyone called Archippus. Never met anyone whose granddad's called Archippus. So there you go. I'm a little bit removed from the situation. So it's, it's one of those that's a little bit weird. So we'll see how we get on. We're going to kind of go through and, and figure out how, how we get on. So the first bit is, is tell. And this, this is interesting. Titus will tell you all the news about me. He says, he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. So Titus and Onesimus, they have a job. And they're going to tell the Colossians everything about Paul, everything about what he's doing. Um, and he says, I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your heart. So he's got two things to do. What are those two things? So that you may know about the circumstances of Paul and that he may encourage your hearts. So that's that's the idea, right? Um, so, do you remember the film Castaway? Does anyone remember that film? Got a picture. Way too long. Way too long. Oh, I love it, that film. It's one of my favourite films. Wilson! Um, I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's a great film. But anyway. Maybe it's a man thing, yeah. I just imagine myself like being all like Bear Grylls on the on the beach and trying to. I don't think I'd last ten minutes to be honest. And um, when I was researching, I saw a um, I saw a parody advert because you know he works for FedEx, right? Um, and he has this package that he goes to deliver at the end of the film. Anyway, does delivers all this package, and he goes up to this woman and he's like, just out of interest, what's in the box? She said. Oh, it's nothing, nothing really. It's just a satellite phone, GPS tracker. All <laughs> so I thought that was fantastic. That would be a great twist. Anyway, that was the parody. But so this this film has Tom Hanks, and if you follow it, or I'll just give you a slight recap, you've got the plane crash. He works for FedEx. He's in a FedEx plane, like a cargo plane. It crashes into the sea. He's the only survivor, um, and he ends up on this desert island in the middle of nowhere and he has to kind of fight to survive on this island and he struggles and there's that scene with the rollers the ice skate and oh that one yeah home DIY dentistry I don't like that one um but eventually after some years he manages to escape he gets out into the ocean and he gets seen by this this ship and the ship rescues him and everyone thinks he's dead, but he's not. He's alive and it's fantastic. And, and he has his FedEx package, right? And so right at the end of the film, he goes and delivers this package to where it m- was meant to be delivered as kind of like a closure thing. Um, and so I found that interesting because that package was kind of lost in the post, right? That package, everyone had forgotten about it. No one really thought it existed. Perhaps it was a surprise package and you know, it had been ordered for someone. They didn't even know that it was going to come until it actually arrived. And it arrived years later. So by that point, you're not thinking about the package. It's, it's kind of, it's not happening. Don't worry about it. And then you get this, this package and you're like, oh, this is good. I've got a package. What a, what a fun thing to have. See, the package was lost in the post until... It was delivered. And 
I've got a phrase that's going to come up, come up on the screen. It says, good news without declaration is neither good nor news. Good news without declaration is neither good nor news. In other words, it's lost in the post until it's delivered. Does that make some sense? Have you ever waited for news? Medical test, perhaps, maybe an exam, maybe a medical exam. Isaac? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe safe travel of someone, you know, maybe you expect someone is going to be somewhere and they say, text me when you get there. Uh, make sure, because I want to know that you're safe, so please text me and let me know. And then they don't text you, and it's the next day, and you're like, why are they not texting me? Are they all right? What's going on? And then you see they've updated Facebook, so you know they're fine. Um, see, in the first century, the only way to find out news is that someone tells you. Because you don't have newspapers, you don't have Facebook messaging, you don't have WhatsApp, you don't have all this kind of technology and stuff. You just have word of mouth. So they'd have these messengers that would go out. If you ever remember that phrase, um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And they would be the messengers who brought about this good news. In fact, the good news um, in the Greek, the word euangelion, um, has a kind of connotation of, of bringing about of that news. Because good news doesn't exist until you bring it about. It only exists for the people who know about it. Does that make sense? Good news is no news without a messenger. And so Paul's saying, they're going to tell you all the news about me. And why, why, do, why do they tell the news? Well, it's so you may know on the one hand and so you may be encouraged. But I wonder maybe if we switch things around and put in our own context for a second, who do you tell? Who do you share good news with perhaps when's the last time that you shared the good news about Jesus with someone because it's no news without declaration and it's I, we may have talked about spheres of influence having kind of like we all have our own unique spheres of influence people that we have a voice into their situation I mean it's all well and good me going up to Greg's friends and saying hey Greg's friends um Frank and Sheila, they're your friends? Let's call your friends Frank and Sheila for a second. Hey Frank, hey Sheila, um, let me tell you about this guy Jesus that Greg knows really well. They're like, well, why are you telling me? Who are you? I'm like, oh yeah, well, I go to church with Greg and I want to tell you about Jesus. And they're like, well, it means nothing coming from you because who are you? But Greg's got a relationship with Frank and Sheila. He knows Frank more than he knows Sheila. She's just, she, she married him later, so... You know, he's more friends with Frank first. Um, <laughs> we're off on a tangent here. Bring it back, bring it back. Okay, so, um, but Greg has a relationship with them, right? So he can share, he can speak into their situation better than I can. And now he might feel like, oh, I've not got the, the words, I can't say it as well as you can, or I can't put it in the way that you can, but it's, it's the... Um, it's a testimony of someone that you know that really has the impact on, on a person. So when was the last time you told someone? Who is the person that you tell? That's our point number one. Point number two is send. 
what do the greetings teach us? Paul talks about sending new greetings. But what can a greeting teach us or what can a greeting tell us? First of all, you may see where this is going in a second. Six people plus Paul send their greetings. That's seven people in total, but Paul's the one that's kind of writing the letter down. So Paul plus six others send their greetings. And then Paul asks the Colossians to send his greetings on to someone else because he's not going to get to see them. So he's saying, you're going to take this letter to them. So when you go, make sure you pass on my greetings to them because I want to you know, maintain this relationship. I want to maintain the relationship that we've got going. He can't just kind of like pop up on Facebook Messenger or like send them a text or something like that because you can't do that in this day and age or in that day and age. So my question really is, how do you feel when you make a new friend? Out of ten. No, that doesn't work, does it? How do, how do you feel when you make a new friend? Feedback, anyone? Good? Awesome? Happy? Um, nervous? That's a good one. Um, excited? Um, kind of like... I don't know, maybe you like plan the future. Like, oh, we could go like skydiving together. Why anyone would want to do that, I don't know. But you might be an adventurous type and you might only have me as a friend. And I wouldn't want to do that. So you might meet a skydiving friend. Like, oh, we're going to do this. Or, oh, we could go. Oh, you're free on this day. Oh, we could go along to cinema. Or, oh, I've wanted to do this for ages, but I've had no one to go with me. And that, You know, you get all, you kind of get all going a little bit, don't you? Paul's greetings, I think it represents friendship. I think it represents friendship, but I think it represents not just kind of like surface level friendship, but deeper kind of intentional relationship. Because beyond the question, when did you last make a friend, is the question, when was the last time you made an intentional relationship? When was the last time you intentionally cultivated what I call a kingdom relationship? Paul talks about, he says, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. And they've proved a comfort to me. So when was, who, who are your kingdom co-workers? Like not just your your kind of friends and people that you chat to or people that you kind of get together with for an hour on a Sunday or whatever it is, but people who you you really invest in, people who really invest in you, people who you know in other places, perhaps people who are in other contexts, like other churches are doing things differently, perhaps people in other spheres of influence. You know, maybe you're in one profession, maybe they're in a different profession. When's the last time you've made like real intentional relationships with people outside of your own circle that kind of you speak into each other? There's that verse, isn't there, that iron sharpens iron. This idea that relationship between kind of like solid people, people who are going to grow you and you're going to grow them, is like a really positive and really important thing. So I would say seek out those, seek out those relationships, seek out those friendships, get around good people. 
meet up for coffee in the week with someone, meet up for go for a meal with someone, you know, invite someone round to your house or or whatever that is that you need to do to to not just have these kind of like surface level friendships, but have these intentional relationships that are really going to grow you and and place you in into a deeper relationship with God. They're going to challenge you. And then I was thinking, well, what do these intentional relationships look like? So then I looked at verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. He's wrestling in prayer. There you go. Maybe it looks like that in the spiritual realm. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. It looks like that is the moment before it really hurts, isn't it? That's one of those photos. Just just before there's about to be intense pain, there's a photo, photographic moment. Anyway, intentional relationships, what do they look like? They look like wrestling in prayer. So my two questions really is, who is wrestling in prayer for you and who are you wrestling in prayer for? Because that shows you who are your like intentional deep relationships with people. Because if it's no one, then I suggest we kind of start to cultivate those relationships. If there's no one wrestling in prayer for you, get around someone. Get around someone good. And if you're not wrestling in prayer for someone else, again, get around someone good and start wrestling for people. Start really pressing in, really battling for for people that they may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. You know, I was, um, as you can tell, I'm not from around here. Um, And I was home with my parents probably around a month ago. um, And I went along to their church to kind of like tell them about what we do here and um, all that kind of stuff. And I was I was pleasantly surprised at the people who were coming up saying, "Oh, we we listen to I listen to the podcast and make sure I'm catching up on what's going on in in the church." Or, you know, I'm really praying for you and praying for the ministry that you've got going on there, and really kind of like making sure I remember you in prayer and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's really encouraging that I know that there are people in my life who maybe I don't have a lot of contact with week to week, month to month, who are kind of investing prayerfully in who I am. And my challenge to you, the one that we can easily do, is start investing in people in prayer. Maybe you don't know if you've got someone wrestling in prayer for you at the moment, but you can easily start doing it for someone else. So then the third third part we have is do. Um, coffee's cold now. It's still good, though. So do... We have the ABC of doing. Look at that. Fantastic, isn't it? So, two people Paul tells to do something. First one is Archippus. He tells him to do one thing. He says, complete the ministry. Complete the ministry. And we'll come back to that one. The other one is he tells the Colossians to do two things. He says, read this letter out to the Laodiceans and read theirs that they send back. That's the first one. And the second one 
is to tell Archippus something. They say, tell him to see to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. See, Paul doesn't just tell Archippus directly. He doesn't say, hey, Archippus, you need to do this. He says, Colossian church, you do this. And the reason why is what I call the ABC of doing. And I've only called it that this week, so it's not a long-standing thing. But the first one is accountability. See, Paul is giving the Colossians a task. And that task makes Archippus accountable. Because if, if Paul just tells Archippus directly, if he just says, hey, make sure you complete the ministry, then who is checking up on that? Who's asking him, you know, how, hey, how's it going with that ministry that, you know, that God's asked you to do? How's it going with that thing that you've you said you're going to do and you, you're going to be kind of moving on with? There's no one asking him to do that if Paul's just telling him directly, but Paul's saying the onus is on you, the Colossians, to go out and to start saying, you know, how's, how's it going? So for us, being accountable with one another, being accountable with someone, who is the last person that you were accountable with? Who's the last person that you got around you that, that you said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm really struggling in this area? Or might be, I'm really, everything's going really well, but please pray for me that it continues to, to go this way. Or, you know, hey, I've not read my Bible in this long and I really need, you know, some encouragement in that. Who are those people around you? Because what's important there is they've got to be accountable to complete the ministry in the Lord. If it's just a case of you doing it off your own back, sometimes you go, oh, I'm not that bothered today. I've only been, I've been for one run this week. I'm supposed to go for three every week. But I've not really got anyone saying, oh, have you been for a run this week? When was the last time you went for a run? I've only got myself going, oh, I need to go for a run. But I'm tired. I've had a long day. I don't feel like it. And, and anyway, tomorrow will be nicer weather or whatever. So I've only been for one and I should have been for three. Who is there to say to me, you know, come on, you need to be doing this. You need to be getting, getting up. Who is that person for you, kind of spiritually account, making you accountable? Second one, the B, is building We need to be encouraging people in their gift, encouraging people in their ministry. What's God given you to do that only you uniquely can do? What God has, what's God placed you in the certain place and time for you to be able to do what he's calling you to do? Let's build each other up in that. When someone's getting around you, and this, this comes from these kind of deep relationships, and like, I don't really know what, what's God calling me to do, and I don't really know kind of like, how am I supposed to step into this new thing? Or how am I supposed to, you know, I feel led in this direction or that direction, but I don't know what, what I'm supposed to be doing and can you pray for me in that? You know, we're called to build and encourage people. We're called to build each other up. And the C is to challenge. Not just build each other up and encourage each other for no kind of reason, but to, to challenge them in it. How are you doing this week? How have you moved on this week from where you were last week? How are things going? And the reason is important because 
the reason for it is that we complete the ministry we've received in the Lord. What's God calling you to? What is the ministry you've received in the Lord? Colossians 2 verse 6 said, you've received Christ as Lord. You're living your lives kind of in him. And that's, interestingly, interestingly, it's the same kind of word for receiving Christ as receiving ministry at this point. So in other words, you've been, you've received Christ Now, what's your response? Now, how do you go and do something kind of in response to that? We've received a task or a ministry. Um, The Greek is uh, is a diakonia, where the word deacon comes from. Um, And it's a gift and a commission from God. It's both those things. So our gift in the Lord comes with an obligation to do something. I think oftentimes in church we don't like to talk about obligation because we get this whole thing of like works and, and grace and stuff muddled up and you're like anything that's that's an obligation becomes like works as though we're trying to earn salvation or something. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about a separate thing. We're talking about an obligation to do in response. It's like off the back of what's happened and how we've been changed and transformed, there's then a next step. There's then something else that we are called to do something. We're called to, to go deeper in our relationship with God. We're called to complete the task that he's given us to do. Because the Christian life is not simply about receiving a gift. Because when you unwrap that gift, it brings change and transformation. And there's no point being changed and transformed if we don't do anything with it. There's no point me receiving a, I don't know, a new car as a gift and parking it out on the drive and washing it every Sunday afternoon and going, oh, so it's, I don't have a drive. So parking it on the seafront and letting it go all salty and horrible. Um, look at my new car, isn't it fantastic? You know, someone bought this for me. It's great. I love it. Can't drive, but I think it looks really nice. What's the point in that? It's a gift with function. It's not a gift to just have. It's not like an ornament. I hate ornaments. I don't understand them. They just, my mum loves them. You put them up. I'm like, what's that, what's that thing you've got? It's like, she's got this one that's like three circles it's like one big circle and then another little circle and another little and they spin you can move them around different angles and I'm like, I don't understand what what the point of that is said, well it looks nice like, all right I mean I am glad that that my gift that I've received from God isn't something I just put on the mantelpiece that looks nice but it's something that's functional we don't have the Holy Spirit so we can feel good. We have the Holy Spirit so we can take it out into the world. So we can bring change and transformation into people's lives. So the, the final question, this is like the final, final slide that we have up there, is three questions. And I want you to, this is what I want to leave you with. I want you to think about 
What can you do? What time do you have? What can I do to help? And by I, I mean that for each one of us. How can we help each other? I, the first time I heard these questions, there was a guy, um, a guy who'd done like kind of a bit of church planting and ministry and stuff. And he, he was a, he was an older guy now. He was a, um, he was a chaplain. And he said, I just, he said, I just asked these questions of people, and we ended up with a Scrabble group that ended up bringing people to faith. Because this lady said, I can't do anything. The only thing I can do is play Scrabble. And he went, well, let's start a missional Scrabble group. Why not? And people started coming to faith. People started coming into the church because this lady could play Scrabble. Um, just this week, we were, Maver and myself were at a, um, a kind of seminar about football ministry. Um, and I happened to have gone to this same guy who's doing this football ministry. I'd gone to stuff that he'd done over 20 years ago when I was kind of little. Um, and he was doing football ministry back then. And it was just fantastic to see, you know, we're talking about one of the best, one of my favorite things, right? We're talking about controlling the ball and, you know, kicking it around, dribbling and that kind of stuff. And then he calls us all over and he's like, he's like, what were we learning? We're learning about controlling the ball. And he said, you know, Jesus talks or it talks in the Bible about having self-control. And sometimes we don't have self-control, and so you know, and this kind of stuff. And it's like, how amazing is that? Using what we can do, what we're good at, to minister to people. How many times do we just go and enjoy what we do, and not think about how God is challenging us to use what He's put inside of us, to use the Spirit to make something happen? I mean, we have the example of Paul doing that, don't we? You know, Paul's going around and he's he's like seeing all all these different idols to all these different gods, and there's one to the unknown god, and he's like, I see you're very religious. Let me tell you about the unknown god, because you don't know him, but I know him. How often can we walk past those situations? How often can we just get on with our day and not even not even think about how that should have challenged us or how God was speaking to us in that moment? That Perhaps something that we can do, perhaps something that we're good at, is how God's challenging us to serve him. Because what you're good at is not going to be what I'm good at. And so me trying to step into that situation and do that thing that God's called you to do isn't going to go very well. But in the same way, some of you may not be good at what I am good at. And so you trying to kind of step into where, into my world of, and things that I should be doing may not kind of work kind of as well as it should. So this is my encouragement really to you today is tell, send, do. Who are you telling? What are your relationships like? And how can you do something? And hopefully... The greetings at the end of the passage have taught us something today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.